0: Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Air McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It is so good to be here with you today. It's so good to be here with you today. <laughs> you, you're our special guest today. You oh. just had an
1: appearance on the Ed Milet show. I did. And listening to the podcast, I was listening to it last night, and then listening to our podcast, I realized that both you and Ed have amazing radio voices and I sound like I haven't been through puberty yet. Yeah. I you we were driving out no. to
0: shoot something before you did the podcast. And I was listening to Ed's podcast on the run in the morning and I was telling you I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Well, it's been it was so exciting to do it and we're getting great feedback from it. Un- unbelievable. When I yes. went to uh, bed, I think there was like 63,000 views on it and then when i woke up it was almost 90,000 views Wait, on what on his uh instagram account on oh that. no
0: no it's yeah, yeah yeah here it's um on the little clip no oh, the clip it's, yeah. there's 860,000 views
1: oh i'm off by um by a few a hundred <laughs> thousand
0: um, now there's now there's you
1: must have seen it right like the first hour now there's like 600 comments on it it just shows you that i'm not even working in the same world of numbers that he's working in Uh, When I look at this, 860,000 views on that clip. There's a lot. So many. And I've been getting DMs from people and I've gotten some texts from people around the world. And what's amazing to me are the number of business people that have been reaching out saying this has been life-shaking or life-changing for them. And and that's exciting to have someone like Ed Milet allow his platform to be such a wide-open space to have a conversation about faith, yeah, about Jesus, which was pretty amazing. At the end, he basically asked me to share with all of his listeners how to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's
0: pretty (laughs) incredible. It's really incredible.
1: It was really beautiful.
0: It's so cool. And and before we
1: started, Ed said, hey, I want to use this podcast as a way to just really be bold about my own faith. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciated that with him. Uh, but we did talk about so many interesting things along the way, and yeah. and, uh, and and I think the biggest thing for me is I feel like I made a really good new friend. That's awesome. So here we are. We are. What are
0: some things that you that you learned from the podcast?
1: Well, you know, one of the interesting things is when you're around a particular tribe of people in a group setting, you begin to see commonalities. And uh, it's funny, I go back, when I used to work with drug cartels, when I used to work with, with gangs. So I used you to, used to be a part of drug cartels? I used to work with them, work not, with them not for them. Specify so that people are not left confused. <laughs> I used to spend my life in that underground economy trying to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Okay. So and, you didn't work
0: with them but you worked with them,
1: yes, yes, yes. And but what I'm saying is that when you, when you see people in their environment, you learn things about them that you wouldn't see outside of their environment. Interesting. And it's the same way with people like Ed Milette and the group I was with the, w- the week before with Joel Marion and so many of these different um, entrepreneurs whose companies, you know, exceed 100 million a year in profits and. You begin to see certain characteristics. You begin to see certain commonalities. You begin to see certain patterns and rhythms and the way they think, the way they act, the way they relate, and that to me was one of the more interesting things, you know. And to get to be in that those kind of environments and and just first of all, I just want to like give a shout out because I didn't really know Ed Mylett. Like he's a new person in in my life, a new relationship, and he is so authentic mm-hmm. and uh, real. And I just, um, I just really, for me, it's always refreshing when you meet someone, and who they are in real life is even better
0: than who they are in social media. Than, yeah, who you,
1: than who they are in social media, and you're going, yeah. oh wow, um, his social media persona um, is fascinating, but who he is in person is just so much more interesting and compelling. Yeah, that's so amazing. It's incredible. so exciting. I can't wait
0: to see. Cause you, we're we're gearing up to start our own. Well, not our own, but your own new podcast with without me, with <laughs> with, with Batterett's,
1: not breaking up, but well, we're not breaking up the band, but but uh, but I'm gonna have a solo album, <laughs> and uh, it's that, sort of like you know John Lennon and Paul McCartney, yeah. you know, and but this I'm is,
0: more like Ringo. <laughs> I think I, I wrote one was it she she what is it she wants the sun what's the name of the song oh here comes the here sun? comes the sun and then he
1: was done <laughs> <laughs> more Ringo I but think. this isn't really without you because you basically conceptualize a lot of the ideas you're producing mm-hmm. it yeah so even though you're not in front of the camera you're definitely behind the camera yeah but it's also in alignment with my next book Yes, which is going to come out September fourteenth, and I'm so excited about it. And we're going to do a series. It's not really a podcast. It for me, it's a it's a documentary series. Yeah, uh, called the Genius studying of
0: studying the genius of different individuals, and so and helping people unlock their own genius. Yeah, and
1: and I, and I feel like there's going to be like three parts of it that are so important. One is learning from people who have a particular genius. I'm taking the notes, but keep going. And uh, because whenever you study someone else's life in their extraordinary element, you just learn things right away. So learning from their particular genius, and the part of my job will be to extract the principles that maybe they're unaware of because what they do is so intuitive to who they are that they wouldn't even be able to identify what makes them so unique. And so extracting those principles, but then also um, working from those principles to helping the audience, the listener, begin to identify their own genius and begin to take on certain characteristics and attributes and 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 and, and I think this is so important because. Carry um, on their own genius? What's that? Or discover
0: their own genius? Yeah,
1: yeah to discover and to develop their own genius. Because I, I see genius as the diamond in the rough kind of dynamic that mm-hmm. um, if you don't have any perceivable genius, it's that your genius is still coal. You haven't put the coal under pressure and if you don't create the proper pressure, the coal doesn't turn into diamond.
0: So good. That was That's a reel right there, just on its own, explaining what the genius of podcast will be.
1: That's the number one question I've gotten. What is the definition of genius? And ironically, the best definition of genius is a touch of the divine. Because the word genius comes from the word genie. And the ancient Greeks believed that genius was the touch of divinity that the gods have given you a gift and it basically has been laid inside of you as a gift to the world wow and so it was almost seen as if the genius in you was apart from you Hmm. and so you're entrusted with genius Hmm. and of course the greek view is the gods uh, touched you and we understand that there's one god a true living god Hmm. and yet the principle is still the same. Yeah, that that genius, in a sense, is the touch of the divine. It's the touch of God in your life, and so I think the exciting thing for me is that genius both points to God, uh, because it it whenever you see a human being living out their full humanity, it's a reflection of the image of God. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is an expansion of human potential. Uh, we we are unaware of our capacity until we have this um, violation of the natural standard deviation. Mm. There's a sense where like everyone is close to average and then we're like a standard deviation away from that. And, and then when genius happens, they violate the standard deviation and they just skew the scale. So suddenly you have Mozart and music will never be the same, or you have, uh, Michelangelo and, and art will never be the same. You, you have, um, Steph Curry and, Shooting three pointers will never be the same. You have, mm-hmm. uh, you have Stephen Hawking's and uh, understanding of physics will never be the mm-hmm. same. And and so that e- explosion, I almost think of it almost like as like this explosion of genius gives us a new boundary for human capacity. Mm-hmm. We never thought that was possible. We never thought humans could do that. We never thought humans could think like that. Or or paint like that, or create like that, or, or um, jump like that, and suddenly it changes everything. I think it was um, Bob Beeman in the 1968 Mexico City games, and you guys can fact check me on this, he broke the world record in the long jump. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that record was unbreakable for the next, you know, whatever, three, four decades. Because he his iteration of the long jump was so far beyond anyone before him that even those after him couldn't achieve what he achieved. It was almost like this this hiccup right. of human capacity. Wow. So, Brooke, am I right? Nineteen sixty-eight, Mexico City gains Bob Beeman long jump.
0: You're correct, eight point nine meters. Amazing.
1: And, um, and and I don't know when if you can find when that record was finally broken, but I think it took probably 40 years
0: it was beaten in 1991 by mike powell okay.
1: and yeah. so
0: is a new project we have so many new projects some exciting stuff we're kind of in the middle of like all of these renovations here at mosaic mm. outside of this studio you know, hollywood's getting ready south pass is getting ready there's so much going on with the government we get hit up all the time what are you guys doing why aren't you open when are you opening <laughs> But I thought you were you were having this conversation, I think, with maybe John Gordon, I think, or no, no, it was with our your friend Sasha. I say your friend because he left LA, he moved to Texas. He's still your friend. And he's not. He's not my friend. <laughs> he, he's someone that I used to know. I'm just kidding. No, I love Sasha. No, but he was. They were chatting because we were talking with other people, other leaders, and it was like, why hasn't Mosaic
1: opened? Sure. But it really is a different social climate here. Yeah, actually, Sasha uh, moved to Dallas, and one of our friends in Dallas asked him, and the guy's a pastor, he said, why hasn't Irwin opened up Mosaic? Because they're opened up in Texas. And, right. And Sasha said, you don't understand, Frisco and Los Angeles are completely different realities. Yeah. He said, not only um, can they not open in LA, but if they did, no one would come. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's a very, very different dynamic. In Texas and Florida, in different places in the United States, you open up a church and people come. And, uh, and in L.A. is a very, very different space. If I opened up Mosaic here, people would see me as socially irresponsible mm. and insensitive to people's fears and concerns. And, and there's so many dynamics. and also it depends on who a church is actually targeting. A lot of churches, really, their whole thinking process is, what do Christians need? What do the Christians that go to our church need? Mm-hmm. And our thinking has always been, what does our city need? Mm-hmm. And we would put those of us who are followers of Jesus uh, in the secondary position. We put people without Jesus in the primary position. Mm-hmm. We say those of us who are followers of Jesus are here to serve those who mm-hmm. don't yet know Jesus. And so we would never put the concern or the needs of the of a Christian above the concerns and needs of a world without Jesus. We see our job is to tie a towel around our waist and to wash people's feet. So we're here to serve.
0: What are some things you're excited about?
1: Well, I am, uh, I'm excited about so many things. I mean, um, I'm really excited about the book coming out September 14th. I'm really excited about what we're doing with McManus Gallery and the clothes. We're releasing stuff tomorrow. We're releasing so many things tomorrow a couple of things
0: yeah mcmanus is releasing clothes today i said the wrong thing time out i'm back in here we go
1: and i've had multiple people both face to face and through social media let me know that they wanted to buy the chore coat and it sold out in 15 minutes or so yeah and they felt like they got locked out of getting something so i have great news for you Releasing more. Releasing more tomorrow. And so you need to get on there fast because no guarantee they won't sell out in 15 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. But that's so exciting. I'm really excited about that. And we're working on some new projects there. Uh, I'm excited because MSC has released a Spanish um, album or some Nunca songs. Nunca Me falas. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Humano. Humano. U- yeah, Humano. We, no pronunciation of the H, but Humano. Humano. And Nunca Me Falas is... Um,
0: With Marco's Wheat. <laughs>
1: With Marcus Witt, yeah, it's exciting. And I think it's just really beautiful the impact that those songs are going to have in Latin america. Mm-hmm. um i'm 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 really excited about um, the renovations. We're engaging in both in Hollywood and South Pasadena for mosaic and uh, and in Mexico City that we're doing some uh, renovation projects into a new facility there. Yeah, I can't wait for us to open up those facilities and have live worship and have people come together and have community. Yeah. And we expect 2021 to be a breakout year. And so I'm just excited about this year.
0: That's exciting. I think you are also going to release some stuff. I think we've been working on a lot of things. We're going to release like a communications masterclass from you. Mm-hmm. That'll. I don't know how expensive it will be, but it'll be, I mean, it's like five hours of like deep communication conversation.
1: Yeah. You know, when I was in Miami, one of the uh, entrepreneurs who, I'm going. How do you get people to pay a hundred thousand dollars to be here for this mastermind? Other people are paying fifty thousand for their masterminds, and um, I mean the less expensive ones were like twenty, twenty-five thousand a year for yeah. these masterminds. Yeah. And one guy said, "Look, one of the things that we've learned is that if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. But hmm. when, when you give things away, people just do not treat them with value, mm-hmm. and they they just don't gain out of what you give them what they need to gain out of it." Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, that's right. When it's free, people end up at the coffee shop. They show up late at the seminar. They don't listen to the session. Yeah. They're texting their friends. They're you, you yeah. know, at the pool. But if you're paying $100,000, you're at every session. For sure. <laughs> you're For early, course. you're late, and you're trying to get everything you can because can. Yeah. You, you, you've paid, so you're paying attention. Yeah. And uh, we just put together this really six-hour master class on communication. Mm-hmm. It was the number one thing I've asked, I was asked at this uh, mastermind in Miami. Um, Can you teach us how to communicate? Can you teach us how to communicate? Do you teach communication? I and, love this. And I already had this mastermind already developed. Uh, you kind of brainchild this. And, um, and we've, been wor- our team's been working on editing it for months and months and months, and so it'll come out before this year's up, yeah.
0: Hopefully sooner than that.
1: Yeah, hopefully sooner. That'd, yeah. That'd be I don't
0: know when. We haven't talked about it, but I just watched the first cut and I'm really excited about it. So if you
1: uh, want to be a part of uh, Communication Mastermind, why don't you put a comment on Battle Ready and let me know and then we'll release it sooner.
0: Yeah, I mean, it will be high level. It will be expensive, but it will be, I mean, it's incredible, you know.
1: I'm excited about it and it's the first time I've actually put into that level of depth and, and how, you uh, communicate. how I communicate and what, what I've learned. How you structure talks, how you,
0: the essence of 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 how to build the talk and what you're looking for and how to look for things and how to communicate—it's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, yesterday I got a call from someone whose company is a you know a 1.2 billion dollar company. That's what they sold it for, and and he gave me a call and he said, "Hey, I'm really glad that you decided to live your life for Jesus, and I'm really glad that you decided to give your life to the church." He goes, "Because we get." all your content for free. <laughs> and uh, he said, because like, if you were in the business world, you'd be getting $100,000 an hour just to speak and to teach. He goes, He goes, I don't know if people really get it. He goes, I would love to be your manager one day if you decide to do something else. He would be a hilarious
0: manager. I know who you're talking about. So, But I'm really excited because I think you, you've really made sure that, you know, you really want to make sure that, that in the next season of life, you're unloading so much of this so people are uploading this to the world so people can download this and access kind of the things that have helped you become, I think, really great, a genius in your own right, Uh, of communication, of studying the scriptures, human connection. And so for me, it's really exciting to be a part of this process. This is the stuff that makes me the most excited about the things that we work. Like church, I love, I like going to church. We've been doing this thing where this house is thing. So we've opened a few houses in the LA area and it's it's really just people who feel comfortable enough to not wear masks and to, and who are, you know, some of them are getting vaccinated, some of them are in the process, but to be around each other, to mm-hmm. have time together, to develop, um, to build like a mosaic house in our own spaces. And, and it's just friend by friend. It's just connecting mm-hmm. one by one. We haven't put, po- we're not posting it. We're not going to, but it's RSVP. You have to let people know you're coming. You have to show up on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really interesting for me because I was sitting down with my friend, Paul and and he, we were sitting down after the gathering. Just we, we, we do the, we do like we just literally hit play. Mm-hmm. There's just a big TV. It's like 80 people in the room, 90 people in the room, and we were sitting down and we do little breakout discussions afterwards. Mm-hmm. was we like, hey, grab five people around you and talk about this one thing about the message. This week you were talking about energy, so it was like, okay, yeah. how, in what ways do you feel energy? What kind of energy do you feel when you're experiencing life, or you know, what kind of energy do you feel this week, or what kind of energy do you put out this week? So it really is like taking. A very Bible-centered message into like a spiritual place and really a human level of just going. How do you break this down in the most simplest form? Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting down. I was sitting uh, sitting in the back, and then I jumped up with some of my friends for the discussion part. And then afterwards, my friend and I, my my friend Paul and I, were sitting down talking about. Um, he was like, d- he's like, never go back. Like, what do you mean, <laughs> never go back? He's like, never go back to the way things were. And I and we've been having a lot of conversations yeah. of like. This is the one time in history probably that we can change the way everything is done from a church perspective. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Don't go back. And I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, when have we ever had a 30 minute conversation after a gathering where we could just sit down and you're not stressed? And I was like, Yeah, never. Because I'm running around or I'm having to speak or I'm having to use the restroom to get to speak again, to then change clothes or to like and it it was so much more focused on people and relationships that mm-hmm. for me it was really nice so for the first time in a long time I really enjoyed just being able to be a part of church by doing house <laughs> so you know like a lot of these projects are, are for me the stuff that really inspires me because I think church is something that I feel a stewardship of I feel called to I feel a stewardship of, to be a part of to build but from but it's so cool to see people coming together and, and like all we literally all we had to do is set up the chairs and then we told everyone take your chairs and <laughs> you you can break them down and put, hang yeah. them up and you're good to go. I really think the world is changing and I'm really excited to see how the world changes when it
1: opens up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that this gives us an opportunity to not only rethink everything we do, but to make sure everything has intention and that it really is a uh, human centric. Right. Yeah. I was talking to uh, uh, a pastor in Miami, you know, Rich, uh, that uh he introduced me two years ago and he was telling me that you know the challenges of coming back you know miami's more open but he was saying that it's probably about 50 percent of the people that have come back i've had other pastors tell me the same thing yeah that 50 percent would be high that in some places it's 20 30 of the people who are coming back mm-hmm. i think it's kind of a combination of things i think some people maybe are concerned about covid and you know but i actually think a lot of people Got used to doing church online, <laughs> and yeah. and they um, are not necessarily eager to come back into the former kind of environment. Uh, I I think it's it's kind of an interesting combination. People do need other people. There's a need for socialization. There's a need for community. There's a need for connection. Yeah, and uh, but I do think the houses actually create a better space for people to actually get to know each other. It's
0: really interesting. Yeah,
1: because you know. We
0: do. We. I think we. I think before COVID, we had like eight different campuses mm-hmm. that were meeting every Sunday. Some were meeting multiple times, mm-hmm. upwards of five times. a minimum as as minimal as one time mm-hmm. a Sunday. And so, you know, the 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 effort level is marginal once it goes from one service to five services. Yeah. You obviously have like lots more volunteers, but you're doing the same thing again and again a bit easier. Yeah. When you're doing one service, you're doing so much work, one gathering for one gathering. Yeah. And then you're setting it up, bring it down. Once you get to two, you feel like, okay, at least the work that we did to set this up, (laughs) like it mattered, you know? So at Venice, it felt good to get to two gatherings. Hollywood, you know, you got the, you almost have like two different rotations. You get people in the morning, people at night, two different sets of volunteers. It's like double, but at least it's set up. It's there. Yeah. So to have this, house thing where this house strategy where we're able to open houses, bring people together and it's highly community based is really awesome also you're looking directly at the camera the entire time, there is never, you know, live I've been a really big advocate because I'm like, when have you ever been looking at me directly the entire (laughs) time? Because you you have to work with the room, you have to be engaged, you have to continually transfer your attention and your energy across, but I don't know I'm so excited to go back to do live music and do live speaking, but 52 weeks a year, that's like almost an NBA season. (laughs) It's hard. And then you add how many gatherings? I think we were doing upwards of 600, 500 gatherings a year. Yeah, easily, yeah. Easily. Yeah. And that's a
1: lot. That's really a lot. And if you're trying to maintain quality and quality of content quality of uh, experience right it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of volunteers yeah and but we've been yeah. having lots of conversations yeah. about like what's the
0: strategy because I don't want to I want to reach the six million people around us but I, I really want to reach the six billion people in the world yeah and it's two different strategies
1: really and yeah. so I do y- know this what? I've, been, I've been to a clipper game and to an laFC game right. And the Clipper game had maybe three thousand people, four thousand in an eighteen thousand seat arena. Yeah. And the experience was horrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that's what sporting events are going to become, I'm sort of tapping out. Who'd they play? Um, I can't even remember now. To Timberwolves. Be with you. Um, I can't remember. Okay. And, um, and that, that that says a lot. I, yeah. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I barely remember the Clippers played. Yeah. And I think a part of the challenge of, oh, they played the, uh, camera.
0: Um, but, I can't remember. Part I, of the I, challenge I was, is what? Is. How it, are we going to open up with the same momentum?
1: Yeah. If you open up and you really are doing six feet of separation and you're masking everyone, the experience would be horrible. Yeah. And um, anyone who's saying, oh, you can do church, but you have to do it at 20% or 50%, but you have to keep six feet of separation. They understand the dynamic of community. Yeah, yeah, when you have an 18,000-seat auditorium jam-packed and cheering on the Lakers or cheering on the Clippers or cheering on yeah. the Sparks or the Kings, yeah, yeah, yeah. it creates a dynamic energy of community.
0: You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bully the WNBA, but the experience is probably equal to the WNBA experience because they get about 3,000 and 18000 And I've been the games, and, and it's, it's not the same. It's not it's, the same. You, know, you it, know, it just
1: doesn't create the same kind of energy and the same kind of experience. No. And... Um, and LAFC did a much better job of creating some energy in in the arena they're just better at everything they do yeah I mean it's incredible ownership
0: yeah and I mean we we went and we took a few guys and an awesome guy comes up
1: I can't remember his name what was his name Oh, you mean Larry? Larry.
0: Larry comes up, and I've obviously like, met him the last few years yeah. that we've been going to LAFC games. He's
1: the co-president of LAFC well, why do you
0: tell it? Oh, sorry. Uh, let me tell my
1: story. Okay, sorry. Cut that out.
0: No, don't cut it out, but just, you know, <laughs> let me be me. Okay. So this guy comes up, hugs me, says hello. He has a mask on. He has a suit. So friendly, so kind. I'm with a friend. My friend goes, "Who is? who was that? I was like, I'm pretty sure he used to be kind of the general manager of operations. Now he's the president of operations. He was vice president before. Vice president before. Yeah. And he's like, he just comes up and says hello. And I'm like, yes, he greets everyone that he can find. They treat everyone like family They there. treat everyone. And it's like, and, and I looked over and I said, you know, you guys do this the best, right? And he looked <laughs> and he's like, I could cry right now. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. And he meant it. like it was, And it was a really beautiful moment because I do, you know,
1: and, and we and I saw people from church there. Yeah, and we all did. Uh, we did. Like, we had we to did. go to a soccer we saw match. Angela and Jerome, <laughs> and
0: she was wearing McManus Gallery, oh, which is kind of awesome. It was just so awesome. Shout out to Angela, Angela Davis, Davis and her, her sons gallery. And, so and Jerome and Jerome Davis for he gave me a book actually. He did not give me a book. He made me buy it. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't give it to me. Good. But then you'll value it because you, it. It. you pay attention. But I, I ghosted him on text because I hadn't read it when he texted me about it. But it's called Cast, and I really really like it um so i you know if you haven't if you need a book to read read cast but his boys were so big i hadn't seen him in a year so tall i mean edward is taller than me now which (laughs) isn't that hard i'm 5'10 but he's got to be at least six foot yeah and lorenzo was 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 like he's stretching out yeah he's always been you know strong but now he's getting big which is cool
1: Yeah, it's amazing to see people that you love and that you're so close to and you haven't seen them hardly at all in a year and a half. I know. And I think that's what's going to happen. Honestly, I think when... Well, when we met in our first house in South Pasadena... Yes, uh, Mosaic House. Mosaic House. Joe and Beck Smith hosted in part with a family, the Keno family. And when Joe got up there to talk, he couldn't talk. He was so emotional. Mm. He was fighting back tears. Mm -hmm. And I felt the same thing. Even though we were watching a video... Uh, and we were worshiping to the screen, I was overwhelmed with emotion. And, yeah. I, and I watched, I looked around I saw people crying yeah, before even got to the message. Yeah. And it was a little surreal for me to be sitting there listening to me speak. But be honest. Um, yeah. Is that annoying? No, you know, I, I listen like a learner. Yeah. And I've never listened even to my own messages. Yeah. And not learned something. It's right. so weird to say that. Yeah. Or have God like speak to me in a very specific way because I think it goes beyond what I'm saying to what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us in that moment.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So I'm excited. Mosaic Houses,
0: if you want to open one, you should do it. You should you should go to uh, mosaic.org slash houses.
1: I think if you go to the <laughs> homepage,
0: you can just find it. Um, also, I don't know. What do you think? What else do you got to talk about? You got anything else?
1: Well, I, I think that one of the things that has been coming to my mind, you know, and without going into, um, you know, politics too much, is we're getting a lot of help right now. You you know, the nation is getting multiple stimulus packages or, um, you know, we're spending multi-trillion dollars helping people and trying to deal with the effects of this massive quarantine. But I also, like, would love to talk about how we should not become solely dependent on the government. but We should actually become generative and creative and I just want to challenge people to start companies. So could I, I'm first I'm gonna talk about, like today I was driving here and I thought about how my history as a Latin American and my experience as a Latin American actually affects a lot of my thinking and the way that I relate and, um, you know, and being from Latin America and coming to this country when I was young and, um, there's, there were so many things that I could have used as reasons why the ceiling kept me down. And then I didn't do well, you know, in In school. I didn't do well through high school. I barely graduated from high school. I didn't go to college right away. And I just floated around, worked odd jobs. I mean, I did every job. I flipped hamburgers. I you know, flipped pizzas. I worked construction. I worked as a carpenter. I worked as a lumberjack. Uh, I mean, I worked endless minimum wage jobs. And so, you know, I mean, I think I would have been an American statistic of a Latin American immigrant working a minimum wage job throughout his life. And, and one time, my wife Kim and I were walking down the street, and we saw these uh, two guys who were clearly immigrants from Latin America. They were sitting on the side of the street working construction, and they, were, they had these uh, brown paper bags, and they pulled out their sandwiches with white bread. And, they, and I watched them eat, and as we were walking by, I said to Kim, you know how people say, there, except by the grace of God, go I? Okay. I said, that that phrase isn't true for me. That was me. Mm-hmm. That is who I was. I was the Latin American immigrant working construction, eating his sandwich out of his brown bag, looking like that's the full nature of his life and the full limit of his capacity. And and, and yet there was always like this little spark inside of me that— just refused to accept what seemed to be my destiny. Mm. And and I've looked back on my life and I look at little moments like when I was um thirteen, fourteen years old, living in Miami, we started a lawn mowing company. We called it the Roadrunner Lawn Mowing Company. And uh, because Roadrunner was our fairy kind of character along the way. And and we started mowing lawns and a lot of kids mow lawns, and in our neighborhood, you, you'd get three to four dollars for mowing a lawn. Okay. And then I figured out that if we went just a few blocks further, mm-hmm. there were houses that were larger, and we would get 15, 16, $20 a lawn. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, oh, if we work and lawn and mow companies, we'll get $50 for like we would go to companies that had very oh. little grass, like, you know, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. auto dealerships. They just yeah, have yeah. one little strip of grass, but they'd pay us $50 yeah. to, to do less work. Yeah. And, and I look back, my brother and I had this company with our neighbor. We had a bank account. Yeah, We bought our own equipment. We bought a lawnmower and an edger. We bought our own stuff and we actually created a partnership mm-hmm. and And at 13 or 14, I already had this mindset that I could own my own company, that I could create my own future. And then I also noticed that when I would work at these places, they'd pay us, let's say, $20 to mow this lawn at this dealership. And I remember I saw this rock bed. And so I took time, my own time. And I organized all the rocks and I created designs and I took a rake and created designs. All of it was temporary, would not last very long. But when the owners came and saw what I did, they would give me a $20 tip just for creating something beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I remember my partners, my brother and my neighbor, would say, hey, wait a minute, that goes to the company. I go, hey, that was outside of the company. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, a a contract. I created that. And if you guys want to... You do this too that's different but i realized i could make more money by adding beauty and imagination and creativity to a very mundane normal project wow. and and it happened even when i was 15 and working in this restaurant this guy from argentina i was a, a water boy bus boy not a very prestigious Where are job you going
0: with this i i have a, i'm going on okay. this is not this is not feeling fit inside the reels Spectrum.
1: <laughs> it's so a longer form podcast. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm bussing tables, which is a very low end kind of job, right? You know. And this waiter from Argentina said, "Hey, look, would you um, wrap up the the meat of my customer?" And so I just put the meat in a little square, right? Because it's a steakhouse. Wrap goes, up the leftovers. Leftovers. Yep. Yeah. And he goes, "No, no, you do that. You won't get a tip. Let me show you what to do." And he taught me how to make swans. <laughs> out of the aluminum foil so that you had the, the leftovers inside of the swan. Yeah. And this guy mentored me in that moment, taught me how to add beauty to a very mundane task. Yeah. And, I, and he goes, and then you never give the swan to the guy. You always give the swan to the woman. Mm. And then I guarantee you, she will look at the guy and say, you have to tip him. And I started making 10 to $20 tips just by delivering these swans to every table. <laughs> so Un-
0: bring beauty to mundane things.
1: Yes, and do not let your environment set the limits of your capacity. Interesting. And I, and I look back now and I realize I actually never stopped doing that. And so even being the pastor of Mosaic, you just don't let, oh, the limitations you're supposed to just do church and preach and sing yeah. no you bring beauty and wonder imagination creativity yeah. w- with McManus gallery you know people why are you guys into fashion industry because we want to bring beauty and wonder and imagination and creativity mm-hmm. to everything we do and if you and I, and I I I wish that somehow there could be a like a, a Latin American Revolution in America where Latin Americans decide to become entrepreneurs right but I, I think it goes broader. I think that this is true for the black community and it's true for Just people. For, anyone, for in, anyone in the U.S. Yeah, because in that room of multimillionaires, you would think I would be in a room of entitled people who were born into wealth, Right. but almost every single person I talked to was born into poverty. My whole point is that creativity is the new commodity.
0: Expound upon that, but but less than the last two stories
1: the future of wealth creation. So start with
0: what what you said and then go into that.
1: Creativity is the new commodity. That in the past, if you could plow a field and grow wheat, that was a commodity. Or if you could uh, build a car, that was the new commodity. Or if you could work with technology, that was a new commodity. Work with information, that was a new commodity. I'm telling you, creativity, finding a way to bring creativity to your work is going to make you invaluable. If you wanna increase your worth, increase your value, increase your potential, increase your ceiling, bring creativity to whatever you do.
0: Love it, that's amazing. I think with that, we're about to hit 40 minutes. All right. And I like it, I like it, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good one. You know, this is the thing, I always have in the back of my mind because Lawrence calls me and Kelly Fudge would DM me and she's like, look, I go on these 45 minute runs, if they're not at least 40 minutes, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. We got at least hit forty minute marker. But with that said, um, we have a ton of people who rate and review this podcast. Mm. Like we've had over almost like eight hundred people rate and review it. Wow. We have five stars in this podcast. I love that. And it's really exciting. So if you feel compelled, nah, don't feel compelled. Just do it. We're gonna Nike it. Go and rate and review this podcast on iTunes on Podcast.
1: I want to read to you a rate and review.
0: Not yet. Um, and if you watch this on YouTube, comment. Share it. We love it. It was I was talking to a, with one of my friends. Uh, I was talking to Dre, Andre. And he was saying, he's like, I know it's a podcast, but I end up just watching it on YouTube. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm sitting there watching you guys because you're just watching each other. There's nothing happen. I'm like, there's so much happening. So much happening. So for everyone who watches it, thank you. For everyone who listens to it, thank you. YouTube, Spotify iTunes and I'm sure there's a bunch of other places but I'm not well I got a text sure. on yes. Battle Ready
1: from who? from Canada That you can't get a text from Canada I did from who? And from Ken Stover oh Ken whose family runs this multi-billion dollar company don't maybe yeah sure and, um, and he said this just finished Battle Ready driving back from a job and received this so good that you guys are taking on topics the world needs the world needs to get smarter on I love that much insight it's ridiculous you're going there and it is fresh from all the BS that is in the news cycle (laughs) truth for a change without an agenda thank you all capital had a good Easter (laughs) it's good to have the girls home congrats on Mariah and the fam that's so funny and I just love the fact that he said I love it fresh from all the BS in the news cycle truth without for a change without an agenda so and he also went on to talk about The amount of courage that you have. Oh, thank you. And he wanted to just uh, give props to you, saying um, you are an important voice in the world. Love Ken, love Dallas, love
0: Liberty. Um, Okay, last but not least. We are going to get into new topics coming up and some of these projects that you're working on this next week. So we have some good stuff coming up in the pipeline as we gear. It feels like summer in L.A. It does. It really already. does. And Mariah's close to having a baby, which is so yeah, that The world
1: knows we're so excited that we so, have a yeah, baby coming on the way. My
0: little sister is having a child.
1: And we are so thrilled. We're so thrilled. So if you didn't catch this, uh, pick up the Ed Milet podcast. Yes. And uh, watch the interview with me. And, uh, and uh, go to McManus Gallery. Yes. And pick up some of the new um, clothing that just came. It will come out today. Today. And especially the chore coats are coming out. Yeah. And they're going to be beautiful and they yeah. will not last. No. And check out Mo- Mosaic on Sunday. Oh, please come and check out Mosaic this Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Morning. By,
0: by, 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 well, we're inviting you. Go to mosaic.org slash live or mosaic.org. And right. you, that's how you can go to church.
1: Hey, this has been fun.
0: Okay. It's been fun. I love you, Dad. Hey, I love you too, buddy. Okay, goodbye.